In late 2384, the USS Excelsior was reactivated after two years in mothballs. Under the command of Captain Rachel Cortez, her mission was to be a simple one. We've been assigned to meet with the Valandran and attempt to create a productive diplomatic relationship. Their proximity to the gateway to the Alpha Quadrant makes them prime candidates as allies. I don't need to explain the advantages of having friends around the gateway. Even friends like the Valandran, who might not meet our conventional standards for potential allies. Valandran society is strongly matriarchal. Although their males are strong warriors, they only acknowledge a female as a leader. Unfortunately, there was more to Valandria than met the eye. Technology centuries ahead of their civilization. According to her transponders, you're looking at the Valandrian space station, Vigilance. Impossible. That thing is as large as a regular two-class outpost. A power struggle between Premier Betranon, General Sorid G. Premier? If you do not make me force this door, I will allow you the honors you do not deserve in your execution. In fact, General, since you do not give me the honor combat, I choose prudence. I am leaving. You coward! Brigadier, get that door open! There is only one place Betrana would go now. There is a secret set of backup controls for the weapons satellites hidden in the secret catacombs beneath the city. She believes she's the only one who knows of them, but she is sadly mistaken. I had hoped we would not have to resort to sacrilege, but we must follow her. A mysterious disease ravaging the Excelsior. The wasting is the greatest of diseases. It nearly wiped out my people 200 millennia ago. All hands execute level 1 medical quarantine. Code Wildfire. Repeat, Code Wildfire. There is no treatment, no prognosis. No hope. Incredible. Simply incredible. Telepathic weaponry. And prophecies of technology and destruction from a shocking source. This is the Oracle, the source of our knowledge. All your knowledge? Ah, it's about time the Federation got here. I am the Oracle. On April 14th, 2402, the Federation colony of Valandria was destroyed. The Battle of Valandria is widely considered to have been the turning point in the war. Unable to access further information. Database corruption is extensive. Captain, look. NCV 83124. USS Oracle. Warning. Holomatrix damage. Temporal transponder inactive. Repair required. Repair required. Repair required. When Captain Cortez was wounded in ground combat, First Officer Dovan gracefully stepped into her place. This is Acting Captain Elkar Dovan, and you're dealing with me now. The source of the wasting was pinpointed. Here, at roughly 45 degrees north, 92 degrees west. That city, Thaven, isn't that the capital? and an alliance was hastily formed. We will fight to maintain control of vigilance and prevent Sora G from using the orbital weapons network to destroy your vessel during your attempt to find and destroy your supposed source of the wasting. Dovan, if I allow your people to do this, I am placing the whole of Valandrian civilization in your hands. We are Starfleet. You are male, which is of no reassurance to me. The Marines are loaded, and they've been given pinpoint coordinates for what appears to be the center of a network of tunnels underneath the city. Give the launch order. 
In sickbay, an attempt at learning something from the Oracle hologram went badly wrong. Time travel? That's amazing. Is this the future, Doctor? The year is 2402, and you're aboard the greatest experimental warship ever built. The USS Oracle. I'm recompiling my temporal matrix. Current status is 4.9%. He's repairing himself. When he's done, he's theoretically going to return you to your own time and then go on to his. And in short order, the mission to find the source of the wasting and destroy it became yet another disaster. Looks like we have 16 Valandrian interceptors coming in. They're on an attack vector for the shuttle. Those Marines are going to need our backup if they're going to make it. Sound battle stations. Can I point out that we're heavily outnumbered and even more outgunned? Those are our people on the Kilimanjaro. We're not just leaving them to die. You're our captain! You can be a hero on your own time, but your job right now is to get your people out of here alive! What's our range to the beam down coordinates? 300,000 kilometers, sir. The fighters will intercept us before we reach transporter range at 40,000. Bridge to transporter room. Mark here, sir. Chief, lock on to the two signals on the bridge and prepare to beam us down. Sir, I just said... I know what you said, Lieutenant. I'm setting an autopilot out of here. I just hope you don't get transporter sickness. I... Wait, what? Chief, override safeties and energize. Now! And now, the conclusion. Yubari! Lieutenant, are you alright? Where are you? We're in the Valandrian catacombs under the capital. Do you remember? We were looking for the... For the weapon. The source of... of the disease. I... I'm... Easy now. The transporter sickness will pass. Let me help you up. Easy does it. I'll be a right commander. <laughs> I thought you said you didn't get transporter sickness. You, you didn't give me much of a chance. You just beamed us off the bridge. You could have killed us both. What the hell were you thinking? I was thinking I might try to save everyone on Excelsior. I was thinking you'd want to come along and maybe we could work together, you know, and be heroes. Strictly on our own time, of course. Huh. Now then, I can't see a thing around here. I don't suppose you brought a palm beacon. Yes. Sure, I picked one up when we passed the weapons locker on our stroll down to the transporter room. No need to get snippy. Then we're going to have to use our tricorders till we can fashion a torch.
While you're at it, you can get me a scan of this place. I'm going to start up a mapping protocol. You might want to work on figuring out what this place is first. These are the Valandrian Ceremonial Catacombs. Of course, uh, no one knows why they're called catacombs, since no one's actually been buried down here in all of known history. The legend has it this is a place of terrible fear and power, and that's actually why the local warlords built their capital here, even though the place scares them so much. They haven't officially allowed anyone down here in the last five centuries. What? So I actually do read mission reports. Don't tell anybody. I got a reputation to protect. Fine. For all the good it... What? Great. Now my tricorder isn't working. What? What's wrong? It's giving me the wrong age for this cave wall. This stone has to be older than life on Valandria. But this... Thing is telling me it's only... 8,000 years old. I'm getting the same reading. 8,000. That's as old as Valandrian civilization. Give it a closer look while we get moving. I'm picking up a faint power signature, and I'll bet Darsex to Donuts that's the source of whatever's making the Excelsior crew sick. Huh. What? The tricorder's not broken. It's detecting something. Fused with the rock, almost. Some sort of... organic mechanical compound. I have no idea what that means. Same. Just techno-babble to me. But whatever it is, it's fused with the rock. All of it. The entire catacomb, it would appear. Fused. Like the Oracle. Sir? When I saw the hull of the Oracle, it... it had become part of the rock. Impossible. I just assumed it was a trick of light when I saw it. But later, when Lorak reported his sensor data, turned out to be true. The Oracle had been merged with the mountain it had crashed into. Then everything else started happening, and I haven't really had a chance to think about it. Still, two impossible rock fusings on one planet. That can't be a coincidence. I don't... Wait. Something's coming. Something or someone? Spherical. One meter diameter. And floating. I'm, I'm going to say thing. Get down behind that rubble. Why? Because it's bristling with weapons. What did you think? Jehoshaphat. Alright, I didn't like the looks of that thing. Let's get out of here and keep your phaser ready. Agreed. Sir, I was thinking... Does any of this remind you of the old legends about the scions of the stars? <laughs> well, the legends always talk about how the scions had great power over mind and matter. It could explain the source of the wasting and how that bio-stuff in the walls... Look, Lieutenant. The Scions are an old space boomer legend. Every time Starfleet sets out into a new territory like the Delta Quadrant, a whole new crop of Scion hunters pop up. But there's nothing to them. Never has been. And frankly, I'm surprised a bright young Starfleet officer like you would even dignify it with an investigation.
Plus, the bioelectric profiles are all wrong. Cartier's study of the scions was... You've read Cartier? Uh, I'm from Galt. There's not a whole lot to read there except agricultural journals and crackpot conspiracy theories. I see. No, the scions aren't involved in Valandria. Of that much, I'm certain. But I am beginning to suspect that we're dealing with someone older than Valandrin in all this. Someone older and nastier. We're here. Good. I think I can see some light coming in from the next chamber. I don't know where it's coming from. We're still half a kilometer beneath the city. Why should I care? It's light, isn't it? True. I'm going in first. Be ready for anything. I always am. Three, two, one. Ah! <sighs> wow. Sir? You better come see this. Yubari stepped out into the next chamber and found herself on an overhang which was overlooking, well, it was hardly fair to say it was overlooking a cave because there are very few caves in the known galaxy large enough to even compete with this mammoth cavity. Five, maybe six clicks from where Yubari was standing and easily half that in height was more like a cathedral than a cave, though a cathedral to what she couldn't have guessed. This was to say nothing of the ornamentation. Strewn about the sanctuary between the great bare walls were vast piles of twisted metal. Twisted metal that somehow bore a familiar form. What? My God. They're starships. Yubari, what exactly am I looking at? Picking up trace amounts of beryllium silicate, titanium, and degraded aluminum crystal foam. They're Starfleet, sir, and their reading is 8,000 years old. Just like the catacombs themselves. Can you pick up any transponder signals? Anything that might identify one of the ships? I don't have to. Look, on that nacelle. NCV 83124 USS Oracle. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Excelsior, her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Starring Elise Krawick as Captain Rachel Cortez. Larry Phelan as Lieutenant Commander Alcar Dovan. Samuel Gillis as Lieutenant Alex Lorock. Michael Liebman as Alex Roll. Emily Potter as Dr. Melissa Sharp. And Caitlin Haney as Asuka Yubari. 
today's episode, The Excelsior Returns, Act 5 of 5, Down the Rabbit Hole. Medical Log, Stardate 59,953.8 After Alcar and his mystery officer beamed down to the planet, the autopiloting program he activated guided the Excelsior safely out of the line of fire. But in my humble opinion, our acting captain retreated too late, waiting until we took far too much damage. The wasting has continued to spread virulently throughout the ship, striking down crew members indiscriminately. Thanks to the battle damage, recovery efforts by the few people still on their feet have been hampered by everything from impassable walls of rubble to real threats, like the plasma leak on Deck 26. Where still, the wounds many people took during the battle, whether or not they were already infected, appear to be accelerating the course of the wasting within their system. Deck 11 Ship's operations have been paralyzed since I took what would laughingly be called command. I could say that we've been decimated, but it would be more accurate to say that only about one-tenth of the crew is left. Maybe less. Every trill is down, and every human, with the strange exception of Simon Westlake, followed a short time later. I believe that I've only been spared thanks to a few ounces of Endorian blood in my Xavier's side. We've had to start converting new areas to store everyone who's fallen into a coma. Ship's morgue, bioscience labs, anything with a stasis field and we still don't have enough space. We're falling apart faster than we can get patients to treatment facilities. The first dozen people infected with the wasting have died, and a lot more are on the brink. I've given up trying to find an immediate cure. As long as we're near the source, trapped in this backwater star system with this voodoo telepathic field around us, the most I can hope is to discover something that will slow the infection, stabilize the most sick, and pray that Alcar stops whatever's causing it on the planet. I've just completed the first promising attempt at a stopgap treatment, a neurological suppressant based on trichorotrazine and, in my professional opinion, a stroke of genius. Unfortunately, we don't have time to test it on anything more than a computer simulation. Our subject is ship's counselor, Samoislaue C., a betazoid. Her body is beginning to shut down, and this is her last chance. Clinical trial by fire. I'm on my way to sickbay. Wondering, am I doing the right thing by risking Sam's life on my hunch? End log. Why isn't the patient on the table yet? Come on, people, let's move! Activate sterilization alpha and raise biocontainment shields. Nurse, apply the first no-rep injection. Apply an injection. Exoscalpel. Exoscalpel. Initiate test pulses into the autonomic nervous system. The rest of you, get back to what you're doing. You're in the way. Yes, ma'am. Autonomic nervous response is good. All bio-readings normal, doctor. Normal, or within safety margins? Thought so. Let's do it. 7cc's tricardrazone malacarbonate compound. Ready. Apply. Brawly, 
Get the neurolytic modulator energized. I don't want her going in shock when the paracortex shuts down. Yes, doctor. Signs of adrenal synchronomia are fading. Norepinephrine levels falling. Apply the second injection. Cerebral cortex activity leveling off. Good. What's the efferent count? 31 over 60. Is that in Q or Z? I'm sorry. Q. Not as good as I hoped, but it should be enough. Neurolytic modulator. Set to 46 microvolts. Modulator locked in. Do it. Looks good. Last injection of neuroprenex. What? Fluctuations in the isocortex. 60 cc's inaproboline. Efferent count is skyrocketing. How? Are we feeding this thing? She's going into synaptic shock. No. Neurolytic modulator. 70 microvolts. Organ death imminent. 10 cc's leporazine. It's too late. Her body can't absorb that much leporazine. I need a cortical stimulator. 60%. Now. Again. No response in the isocortex. Respiration failing. Come on, Sam. One more try. She's gone, Doctor. Make a note in the log. Death occurred at... 1831 hours. You did everything you could, Doctor. Her isocortex just wasn't strong enough. Don't. Samacy is dead. And I killed her. I didn't have a choice, but that doesn't make it any easier. Lower the containment field. You're right, though. The wasting started destabilizing her neurocortex the moment we administered the drug. There was no way she could absorb that much corgazine under those conditions. Otherwise, it almost worked. Well, maybe so. But I can't predict how the wasting will react to our treatments. And I can't afford to keep taking shots in the dark. You might just have to take your best guess. We don't have any patients who have fought off the infection. There's no baseline. That's true. At least, I think it is. What? Where are you- I have a hunch. Probably nothing, but I've... got nothing else right now. Don't forget, the moment those satellites go down, go to full impulse and get the ship to Valandria as fast as you can. Why? Where will you be? Engineering. So let me get this straight. That ship over there is the back half of the USS Oracle. Uh-huh. Well, the Oracle won't be built for another 25 years, but it's going to get attacked, fall through time, and crash 600 years ago. Right. And that's where we found the front half stuck in that mountain for just about six centuries. But here's the other half of the ship. 
And it's reading, uh, how old again? 8,000 years. Right. How the devil does that work? Sir, do you always talk this much? Only when I have an audience, Lieutenant. Ah, the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Let's head for the Oracle wreck first. Then we'll continue on to the power source I detected. Sir. Oh, no. What ship were they from? From the splash pattern. I'd say these bodies are from the one over there, sir. The, uh... uh... The Pegasus. That's Admiral Bremer's ship. If he was at this battle, and these people still died, then there was really nothing that could have saved them. Mike Bremer knows better than to fight to the death if there's any other choice. Damn. This battle really did go badly, didn't it? Tag as many of these bodies for transport as you can. Starfleet officers deserve better than to rot beneath some primitive world for all eternity, no matter what time period they're from. Alright, let's go. Actually, sir, I was only wondering how so many bodies could be so well-preserved if they've been down here for 8,000 years. A better question? Why aren't there any bodies around the Oracle? I don't see how that's a better question. There were no bodies with the saucer section when Captain Cortez's team found it, so we assumed that all the personnel were with the star drive, wherever it had gone. But here we are, looking right at the star drive of the Oracle, and it seems to be the only ship in the entire vicinity without any bodies around it. I don't have an answer for you. That's okay. Unless it involves invading a small planet, you intelligence types rarely do. The Oracle's hull is still about a half a kilometer away. We can speculate while we walk. No, I... don't think so. Excuse me, Lieutenant. Commander, just look. Yabari was pointing at three black spheres, each about a meter in diameter, floating ominously above the ground. Although they were perfectly spherical, Dovan knew that they were looking directly at the two humanoid intruders. He knew this because they were moving straight towards the away team, and quickly. I especially don't like the looks of that spinning appendage on the one in the middle. Looks like a bone saw. I hate bone saws. I can imagine why, sir. I don't suppose there's any chance they haven't seen us yet. I seriously doubt it. Phasers? At the ready. Fire! No effect. Increase power setting to 16. Resume fire! No effect. Well, that was pointless. Lieutenant, run! Oh, very clever plan, sir. Yubari! I'm fine, sir! Clean miss! Where did 
did they get energy weapons? One more question we can ask later. Come on, this way. Forever. You're right. We can't. Get behind that wreckage. Why, what are you doing? Turning my phaser into a grenade. That got him. I only heard two explosions. Really? And then we better get moving. Shouldn't we check to make sure we destroyed all three? No, we shouldn't. If it is still alive, we have to get away from here. There's no time to waste. Fine, then let's get moving. Lieutenants Rawl and Larocque had been yanked 20 years into the future and cast aboard the most powerful prototype warship in Starfleet history, a ship which, incidentally, they both knew to be doomed. However, the period immediately following this improbable and potentially galaxy-transforming accident proved to be something of an anticlimax. You are now under observation. Your biological distinctiveness will be added to our... records. Thanks, buddy. I presume you're the one doing the observation? So, you're a Borg. What's that like? I mean, is there still a you who takes orders from the hive mind? Or am I just speaking to the whole collective when I talk to this drone? Not to mention the voices. Do you hear everyone, or just the Queen? And does the Queen have her own voice, or is she just a constructed intelligence operating as a simulacrum for the hive mind? <sighs> okay, fine. You win, Monty. No conversation for me. This drone's designation is four of seven. Further irrelevant inquiries will be disregarded. Fine, then. I was just trying to strike up you a... You are attempting to extract tactical information from the Collective that would be useful to your intelligence services in the late 24th century. You are Alex Rawl, serial number DH-997-116. Historical assignment, Starfleet Special Operations Division. Intelligence and Infiltration Specialist, UXS Excelsior. Deceit is part of your distinctiveness. It was a fair cop, but you can't blame a guy for... I hate to interrupt, but I could use a hand with the repairs on the Oracle AI's holomatrix. Not at all, Lieutenant. Just tell me what you need from me. Actually, nothing. Frankly, trying to fix 25th century technology is hard even for me, and I've been doing this all my life. It doesn't help that they won't let me use any tools manufactured in the last 30 years, but... Anyhow, I was hoping 4-7 here might be of some help to me. 
the collective concurs. New designation is one of two tasked to hologram repair. Perfect. Let's get to it then. Lieutenant! How's your work going? Well, we've got to get him back up to 14%, and I think we're speeding his repair algorithms. But you're not sure? No. Every time I ask him a question, it's the same thing. That information is not available. Database, Database corruption, corruption is extensive. Yeah, that's the one. The one thing I'm sure of is the faster we get the AI back up to 100%, the faster we get sent home. And that's a good thing? I'm sorry, I don't follow. Never mind. Good luck, Alex. Thanks. You too. Good luck doing what, exactly? Napping? Hey, Doc. Reporting is ordered for my radiation workup. Take a bio-bed, Lieutenant. I'll be right with you. Lieutenant? Lieutenant? I'm sorry. I'm not good with names. Have we met before? Well, I'm new. Oh, I get it. So what are you in for? Standard medical workup? Me? No. Actually, Dr. Sharp is holding me prisoner. Heh. <laughs> That's Dr. Sharp for you. You heard about the time she got sick of the captain ignoring her rest orders. So she put him in an actual restraining field? During a battle? Huh. No, I haven't. But I wouldn't put it past her. No kidding. One thing about Commander Sharp, she's got guts. So, where are you from? Me? I, uh... It was one of the worlds in the Rayan sector. My... My whole family was out there during the attack. I'm sorry. Don't be. That's one of the reasons I'm here. No one can do what they did to Rhea and not pay for it. And the Myriad is going to pay for it. So, um, what are you in sick pay for? Oh, you know, standard radiation treatment. I was down working on the transphasic chronoton torpedoes. Trying to increase their yield a little bit more before we find one of their blobs. Wait. You need radiation treatments to work near that thing? Well, really only if you're getting down into the nitty-gritty with it. But it's worth it. We've got it up now so that just four of these guys can destroy a Class 6 planet. And I mean pulverize it. Nothing left but dust. Whoa. That's... That's pretty impressive. I hope it comes in handy for us during the battle. Lieutenant, have you ever been in combat with the Myriad? No. But I had a brother who was. Why? Pre-battle jitters? Something like that. Don't worry. The Transchronoton torpedo is going to be more than enough to win this one. Hell, we might even win the war. Well, this one at least. Is there anything you can tell me about the Myriad? Something I... didn't hear in the standard briefing, maybe? Hmm. Well, you know what they say about how their ships are really just four-dimensional rotational matrices, so they can change size and dimension at will? Standard understanding of the Myriad blob ships, right? 
The Borg have been telling us that's how they work for years. Of course. Yeah, well, it isn't true. Well, at least, we in engineering don't think it is. Not completely true, at any rate. The outsides of the ships, yes. They're just... big blobs. They can change from a few meters long to the size of a small moon just like that. They use that to make themselves big, mold themselves around a ship, telepathically attack its crew, and eat the hull. Everybody knows that. But we out here on the front line are starting to think there's more to it than that. We suspect there's also an interior to these ships, and what's more, we think they're fixed interiors. They exist in three dimensions, and so, even though they're rotating through time in relative dimensions in space along with the exterior hull, they can't change shape or size. And... For the poor non-engineer in this room, what difference does that make? Well, for one, it means that most of the time, the blobs are bigger on the inside than on the outside, which is pretty extraordinary. More importantly, it means that when they die, the outer skin dries onto the internal structure and chemically bonds with all the matter it comes into contact with. Well, that's very amazing and boring. You bet it's amazing. If we're right, it finally explains why the one that crashed on New Victoria went straight through a kilometer of rock and turned into a whole new network of caves. It was just dimensionally rebonding. I suppose that makes the cavern where they found all the starships that were eaten some kind of enormous stomach. Wait, what did you say? You know, the New Victoria specimen. Yes, but... Lieutenant, if you're right, would it be possible that a starship in close contact with a blob that got hit and crashed at the right moment could end up passing through solid rock during the crash? Well, maybe. If it were hit by a huge explosive force, like something on the order of a transphasic chroniton torpedo or two, but the odds are a billion to one against. This is... A hypothetical question, isn't it? For today, yes. Then maybe. Given the right circumstances, yes. You could see a Federation ship stuck halfway into a mountain someday. Only under the right circumstances, though. That's all I needed to know. So, what do you think of this alliance with the Borg? Heh. <laughs> I think the Borg know their 13th rule. A deal is a deal is a deal until a better one comes along. And if we manage to win this war, well, deal's off. Heh, <laughs> you got that right. Where'd you learn the rules of acquisition, though? You're human, aren't you? Wow, you are new. Up here on the front line, we quote the rules quite a bit. You know, as a memorial. <sighs> what I wouldn't give today to see another Ferengi. I used to think they were just trolls, and the only thing I gave them was contempt. They were greedy, selfish, uncaring... trolls. And you know what? I was right. But still, when they were gone, you suddenly realized how reassuring it was to have the Ferengi around. I mean, you can't seriously believe the galaxy is coming to an end when you're still dealing with people whose sole concern in the universe is selling you a bulk order of Tullaberry wine. You know what I mean? Um, what happened to the Ferengi?
Are you kidding? Hello, Lieutenant. I hope you weren't speaking too much to our guest. No. Of course not, Doc. Wouldn't want to disturb his rest. Hmm. Well, your radiation readings all check out. Let me take you back to the lab where I can take a closer look at you. Nice getting to know you, Mr... Roll. Alex Roll. And the pleasure was all mine. Memo to self. Easier to get information out of Starfleet than the Borg. Information is not Computer, available. deactivate AI voice circuits. Lorok? Sparst. Shouldn't come up behind me like that, Lieutenant. Sorry, Lieutenant. Can I have a word? Sure. Away from the Borg? Oh. Over there, then. What seems to be the trouble? No trouble, Lieutenant. I was wondering how much you'd learned. Learned? About our captors. Captors? Yes. The people who won't let us leave sickbay? They're just doing their jobs, Lieutenant. They have a directive about temporal interference. So do we. Which I take it you've broken. You're saying you didn't? I wasn't planning for my first assignment as Chief Engineer to end up in a court-martial, no. You're saying you've had access to the computer banks of a starship from the future, with experience fighting telepathic weapons, and you didn't even look for a cure for the wasting? Experience fighting telepaths? Telepathic weapons! There's an engineer who was just in here. We had a few words about the future. So you lied to him? Actually, no. I'm not that good a liar. It's amazing how much people will assume about you if you just leave it to them to fill in the blanks. Under most circumstances, the person I'm talking to is not a time traveler, is a safe assumption. The point is, I learned something that could help us. The point is you're trying to change the timeline using knowledge from the future. You know what happens to this ship. It ends up crashed inside of a mountain on Valandria, and everyone dies. How are we supposed to help these people if we don't know more about how that happened? Funny. I was getting the impression you were only learning things that might help us. So you were really just being altruistic. All these people are going to die, Lieutenant. Are you going to let them? Lieutenant Roll, the Temporal Prime Directive isn't just there to keep us from destroying our history by accident, from creating a galaxy where the Romulans have been wiped out by the Federation or Starfleet as at war with the Klingons, all because some time meddler didn't plan his changes well enough. There's a horrifying possible futures, yes. And yes, the laws against changing history are absolute, partly in order to protect ourselves. But it's more than that. It's not your place to play God, whether you're genetically engineering insane tyrants or terraforming the surface of a world in six minutes, or changing the timeline to save people's lives. The Temporal Prime Directive protects not just ourselves and our way of life, but a history, past and future, that is bigger than any of us. So your answer is yes. You are going to let them die. I'm... Don't bother, Mr. Lorak. You've made your position quite clear. It's not my place to make these decisions. So instead, you're letting a piece of paper with some words on it make your decisions for you. Very brave, Lieutenant. I... I see your point, Mr. Raw. But I won't alter the future or the past. Not even to save lives. Not even a lot of lives. 
No, there's a point where you're being flexible with the rules because you're out on your own on the frontier. And then there's a point when it's just rationalization. Fine. But let's at least save the people on the Oracle. I thought I made it quite clear... You won't change the timeline. Fine. How about we... reinterpret it? I'm listening. Will you just stop waving that finger around my head? I'm trying to put some of the sit back together before the shooting starts again. Isn't going to be any more shooting, Simon. Well, I always say, it's better to be ready to fight and not have to, than not be ready to fight and get blown up. I understand, Simon, but right now this is important. Will you stop talking to me like you don't expect me to listen to what you're saying? I'm perfectly capable of having a civilised conversation with you, Doctor. See, that's just the thing, Simon. You're not. At least, you're not supposed to be. Just what does that mean? I'll be blunt. You suffer from Ellerin Syndrome. You always have. That's a degenerative neurological condition that is eventually going to kill you, and in the meantime makes it impossible for you to hold a normal conversation with anyone around you. You're only working in engineering because Alex thought it would be nice to let you have some fun before we took you back home to your father, who was worried about you. Alex thought he could keep an eye on you during what was going to be a very boring mission. Of course, that didn't work out. The wasting hits. Takes out every full human on the ship, save one. You. What do you mean? What do you think? Didn't you notice that your fellow surviving engineers are all in Dorian's Cations and Trigati? No, I didn't. It's been nearly six hours since this infection began. More than 85% of the ship is unconscious, and, other than you, Simon, the last full human collapsed at his station over five hours ago. I want to know why. Maybe it's my... sunny disposition? Could be. But in case it's something else, I'm taking you down to sickbay. Maybe the laws of medicine can explain what the laws of probability can't. And, if we're very lucky, maybe we'll have a treatment before anyone else dies. I hope you're right, Doctor. I'll come peacefully. Good. How much longer? Another kilometer and we'll be at the entrance to the tunnel that leads down to the bottom of this cave system. After that, I do not know. Well then, now might be a good time for you to explain it all to me, Lieutenant. Explain what? Your assignment on Excelsior? Why it is you weren't listed on the manifest? What your real mission is? You promised me an explanation earlier. I was on a special assignment for Captain Cortez. Uh Uh-huh. Intelligence Division? Of course you wouldn't be able to tell me that. I don't suppose your mission uncovered anything on Valandria that might come in handy right now. 
My mission did not involve Villandria. So there was a mission. I... Damn it. Yeah, I was... What the... When they heard the sudden rumbling and creaking noises, the two Starfleet officers looked behind themselves. Then they looked up. They were going around another destroyed starship, and at the moment they were passing by an old upended warp nacelle that towered above them a quarter mile high. The darkened nacelle cap, which once spun with the energy of a dozen suns, today was unceremoniously buried in the rock many meters deep. And so the nacelle stood on its own. At least it had stood on its own. Lieutenant Commander Novan couldn't help but notice that it was currently and quite definitely toppling in the away team's general direction. Are you all right, Lieutenant? Yubari? Yubari! We need to keep moving. Down! Already! It found us. I thought that stating the obvious was only taught in the counseling school. Well, back to running then. No. Not that to running. Are you questioning me? That nacelle. It was a very convenient cave-in. It sealed our only escape route. You mean that thing has us cornered? Phasers. I'm fresh out. Then get behind me, Commander. Take that, you robot. Thingamabob. Can't seem to hurt it. Yeah, well, we just backed into that corner you mentioned. Oh, and there's the bone saw again. Any more clever ideas, sir? I was thinking. Last words? Don't know the meaning of the phrase. We could rush it. One of us might get past. That was my second idea. Count of four. One. That is why I always carry a sword. Premier Betrana. I'm happy to see you, Premier. Thank you. We thought you were dead. No, but you would have been if I had not been around to rescue you. We owe you a debt of gratitude. No, consider it repayment, in part for what befell Rachel Cortez under my protection. Even though I'm just a male. Come, your objective and mine may be more closely tied than we have guessed. Stay alert. And here I was about to say the same thing to you. You did well there, Lieutenant. Thank you, sir. You brought a woman with you, Dovan. I am pleased that you saw the wisdom in my advice. Oh, uh, yes. Your words were at the forefront of my mind. You're going where, exactly? 
Some months ago, I placed a control platform for the orbital weapons down here in the heart of the catacombs. No other living person knows of its existence, and when I get access to it with Sora G looking for me on the surface... You'll win the war. Within hours. Minutes, even. This platform wouldn't happen to be in the same room as the epicenter of all the telepathic activity we've picked up, would it? We cannot be certain until we get there, Dovan. But I am beginning to expect that it will be. Premier, these catacombs, they've been here for a long time, haven't they? Eight thousand years, Dovan. That is a long time where you come from, is it not? Oh, definitely. It's just these ships look a lot like Excelsior, and the Oracle for that matter. Yes, they do. It is one reason we have been so cautious about your Federation. The Oracle has been good to us, yes, but these relics have been with us for a much longer time than that. And they bring with them a much darker history. How do you mean, darker? They've been down here for millennia, yes, but... Your people are too scared to come near this place. And why do you think that is, Dovan? Because there is something to be afraid of down here. Did you know that the Valandrian were once a peaceful people? Eight thousand years ago, we called ourselves farmers and nomads. It is said that not only did we abstain from the flesh of our enemies, but we did not partake of any meat at all, in many ways. We were weak, but we were also without fear. And then came the gods. The gods? Do not take that tone about the gods, Dovan. They are listening. Even now, they are speaking to me. You would do well not to offend them, for they do not forgive. I... and the gods built these caves? No, Dovan. The gods lived in the caves when the caves flew through the sky. The sky? Yes. Our legends say it looked like a great puddle in the sky, unable to hold one shape or size as it crashed towards the most fertile fields. And when it did hit, it hit with such force that it did not stay on the ground nor even make a hole. It simply passed through the bedrock and did not stop for a long way. When it did, here it was, all around us, the catacombs, the great graveyard in which we walk even now. After that, the gods spoke. What did they say? Many things, but mainly of war and conquest and the defeat of one's enemies. They spoke all across the world, inside the very minds of our ancestors. And you gave up your peaceful culture to follow the ways of your gods. No, many would not listen. And so the gods prepared a penance for us. They searched all our world and found our greatest warrior, the leader who best modeled the qualities they sought. Her name was Mara, mother of all. And the gods sent the wasting upon us, and every Valandrian who did not belong to Mara or her house fell ill and died. The gods made her queen of all Valandrian and then went to sleep. 
They promised that on the day of their return, there would be another reckoning. Our gods made us warriors, what we are, what we love to be. But we do not love our gods. I understand. Then, when we appeared, and your leaders recognized our ship design from these caves, you thought we were the gods returning from our long slumber to wreak destruction on your planet. Sorigi believed that. And then, when you brought the wasting to Astrin Saw and to the people, there are still many moments that I believe that. Frankly, you've almost got me believing it. Well, not me. Could you hurry up? We still don't know if there are more of those robots around. Fine, fine. We'll pick up the pace, Yubari. Oh, thank God. Security's posted right outside the sickbay door. Come quickly. Dr. Sharp's collapsed. Go for help. I'll see what's happened. Aye, sir. All right, where's Doctor? What's Monty doing on the ground? It's a trap. Ensign... I demand to know... Sorry. Too late. Ah, uh... uh, Starfleet Security Division. Gullible in any time period. That's all of them. Corridor clear? Yes, but not for long. The other guard was going to get aid. Then let's get moving. Jeffrey's tube access is at the end of the corridor. Actually, it's right here. Oh. I bow to your engineering wisdom. Just get in the tube roll. Yes, sir. Okay, let's go over this again. First, I'd like to point out that the Oracle AI is now... 94% recompiled. That only gives us about... Six minutes before he finishes repairing himself and sends us back to our own time. Six minutes? Give or take. We have to get going. I agree. Doctor? Dr. Sharp! Hypospray! I need a hypospray over here! Intruder alert! Intruder alert! That didn't take long. Now we really don't have much time. Hold on. Starfleet computers have changed as well as everything else has in the past 20 years. I might still be able to keep them from finding us. Can I help? Yes, go over the plan one more time for me. You really don't think much of my engineering skills, do you? It's not that, Lieutenant. It's... Well... Yes, it is. And you have a plan. From the top, if you don't mind. Starting with the temporal logic you worked out. The top? Really? I don't know. Something doesn't feel quite right about it. Fine. <clears throat> we know that we can't change the past. Therefore, we can't save this ship. Because history records that the USS Oracle crashes on Volandria somewhere around six centuries ago. And stays there at least until we find it twenty years ago. But history hasn't yet recorded that we found any actual bodies with the Oracle wreck. In fact, the crew of the Oracle was totally missing from the saucer section that we found. At the time, we assumed that either something had happened to the bodies or that they were all with the Star Drive for some reason. 
But now we're here, in the future, a day or two before the battle accident that caused the crash. And that gives us the opportunity to reinterpret what we know. Specifically, we can make the leap that maybe, just maybe, there were no bodies in the saucer section because everyone left the Oracle right before it crashed, leaving the AI alone to go down with the ship that we found on Valandria. From there, we can even speculate that we, you and I, are the ones responsible for there not being any bodies in the first place because our actions here, in the future, caused them all to leave the ship right before it crashed. So now that we're going to force everyone to leave the ship before it crashes, thereby saving everyone on the Oracle, we're not changing history at all. We're actually fulfilling what our past-future selves have already done. <sighs> One Bonafide Predestination Paradox, courtesy of Lieutenants Roll and Lorak. Actually, when you get right down to it, it's more of a post-destination paradox. The Blinovich Limitation Theorem. Isn't time travel exciting? Anyhow, go on. I'm... sorry. That gave me a headache. Before I go on, you're the engineer here, right? So if our plan works, then it will be because it was destined to work. And if it fails, nothing has changed? Theoretically, yes. The Novikov self-consistency principle applies. I'm down here. They won't be able to find us now. Or ever. Unless they do a meter-by-meter meter search for fingerprints. That would take days. True. And by then, not only will we be long gone, but the Oracle will have crashed at the Battle of Valandria. No point. You're that certain of your sabotage abilities? These computer systems, they're laid out almost exactly as they would be if I had decided to the ground. It wasn't hard to find my way around. Hey, it's the future. Maybe you did design these systems. Please, one mind-blowing loop at time. Go on, we were just about to explain how we were going to get the Oracle crew off the ship right before it crashed. You know, this is as much your plan as it is mine. True, but I'm the acting XO and you're not, so I'm ordering you to explain the plan instead of me. <sighs> right. What we need is to buy the Oracle some time at exactly the right moment. It has to be late enough in the crash that they have no choice but to abandon ship, but early enough that they still have a chance to escape without burning up in the atmosphere. I'm almost certain that the Oracle crashes when they try to fire one of those really big new torpedoes at the bad guys. The Myriad or whatever. So what we have to do is reprogram the chroniton core on one of the transphasic chroniton torpedoes to produce a time differential wavefront, which will slow down subjective time aboard the crashing Oracle to allow everyone enough subjective time to escape the ship before it enters the atmosphere. So for the people on the ship, time outside slows down. They can't do anything more because power's gone but they can still get out before the crash. Yeah, that sums it up. Incidentally, two minutes to go. That's okay, Lieutenant. We're here. You figure out what was bothering you about our plan? No, I can't seem to figure it out. It's like one of those songs in your head where you hear a few notes, but you can't remember anything else. <sighs> well, the hour's getting late. Let's get this done. Link me to the main computer. Right. And I'll pull up the cargo transporters. Tied in. Ready to start reprogramming. I'm starting. Wait, I've got it. What? The thing that was bothering me. We forgot to think about what to do with the torpedo once time returns to normal speed. We can't just go and detonate it, can we? That's... 
That's a problem. You're right. I... Hey, why don't we just leave it inert? The crash will already be unstoppable and the crew will have escaped. Well, that would be a bit of a risk, don't you think? I mean, we'd be leaving the most powerful weapon the Federation's ever designed in any time period, just sitting there inside a crash site in the past, where... where anyone could find it. Doesn't seem very likely to me. Unless that person... with you. I... well... That was your plan all along, wasn't it, Roll? Give me the most confusing plan possible, and while I'm busy trying to work out the details of implementing it, you manage to sneak in and hide a future super weapon in the past where you can go find and dig it up later. You have to admit, it would further Federation interest quite a lot to be able to destroy Class 6 planets with four shots. You lied to me! I've been told that deceit is part of my distinctiveness. The captain is going to hear about this. What are you doing? Now that I can see what you're up to, I can also see a much simpler plan. I'm just writing a quick little script so that the moment the Oracle fires the torpedo that causes the crash, the transporters will beam the entire crew to other nearby starships while the ship crashes. Doesn't do our Federation much good. No, it doesn't do much good for our Federation. But it saves these people's lives, and that's what this is supposed to be about. Well, hurry. The AI is at 99%. You've got about 10 seconds. I just finished. Oh, well, you've got time to spare then. Good for me. Matrix decompilization at 100%. Database corruption nullified. Returning subjects to native time zone. Dovan? My tricorder just gave out. Interference, apparently. Then we are close. From an optimist's standpoint, yes. I suppose this means that we're going to the same place, after all. It would seem so. As I recall, it's just around... this corner. Spooky blue light. Petronas switched off her torch as the motley party crossed the threshold into the room they had been seeking for hours. Dovan realized after a moment that he was disappointed when the chamber wasn't really all that big. A mere five by ten meters, a speck compared to the vast starship graveyard that they had crossed earlier. There was a freestanding computer station across from the entrance, and both it and the power conduit that ran along the ground beneath it were clearly recent Philandrian in design. But this computer was not, as it turned out, the source of the crisp blue light that filled the chamber. Built into the wall on the far left was a pillar. Dovan could swear it was made of solid marble, except that the surface color was changing. This pillar, incongruous enough with the surroundings simply by being there, was pulsing between a billion different shades of blue and green. The slow, deliberate pattern drew Dovan's eyes towards it. And then... I both know. 
Ubari. Did, did you feel... I was... at Yukata-chan's marriage. You too? I was at the Battle of Beta Zed during the war. What the hell is that thing, Premier? As far as I know, it's only a light source. No. There was a mind at work there too, I felt it. A malevolent mind. I agree. I'd lay 2,000 darsecs that that pillar's the source of the wasting, Premier. Dovan, perhaps you have found a lead. I myself felt drawn to this room when I chose the location for my secret weapons control backup. I could not explain it except that this is one of the few rooms not patrolled by the Guardian Automatons, and that I was attracted to it somehow. However, I should like to win my civil war, and then we can turn to your theory. This will only take a few seconds. Very well. I am tying into my defense network. Loading my personal override codes. There. The satellites are under my control once again. I'm preparing to send my terms of surrender to all... I would reconsider that decision, Premier. Sora G! Where did you... Yubari! Phaser! Already am... Yubari! She's unconscious. You practically blew off her right arm. Do not try to grab her gun, though. Hmm. Well played, Dovan. The Bolian Starfleet officer was in better shape than he looked. Now the muzzle of his phaser was trained on the Valandrian general. Sorogi's disruptor, however, was pointed at Premier Batrana, who was still standing at the control computer, seemingly oblivious to the activity behind her. Sorogi. Pleasure to see you again. Tell me, was there a reason for that attack, or did you just find out you hadn't reached your pointlessly spilled blood quota for the day yet? Premier, step away from that console now. As you request, General. Tell me, what happened to your guards and that lovely brigadier who follows you everywhere? Dead. Males are skilled at fighting one another. But they were no match for the flying machines we found guarding the lower levels of the catacombs. But I survived, and now I found you, unarmed, helpless. Can you imagine a worse way to die, Premier? I have no shortage of imagination, Oath Traitor, as you are about to see. What have you done to the computer? Alexander, I'm receiving new readings from Valandria. And? The defense satellites are powering down. What about the fighters? For now, they look to be quite occupied with conducting their war. Then let's steal our horses while the barn doors open. Alex? All engines full, Mr. Rota. Take us in. done is make this an honest negotiation. Dovan has a bargaining token, you have a bargaining token, now I have a bargaining token. No riddles, what are you talking about? The satellites have gone to a contingency mode. In five metrons, this chamber and the area around it will explode. 
explode unless I personally countermand the order. So now the whole thing comes down to a game of chicken. Terrific. This is not your concern, Lieutenant Commander Dovan. Leave here and let us settle this in our own way. Our own way? You won't even pretend to the honor combat any longer? You will address me as Acting Captain Dovan, General. Also, you're under arrest. How exactly do you plan to accomplish that? I don't, actually. Just the principle of the thing. Part of my usual script. Given the chance, I'd much rather kill her. I see. But of course, if you tried to kill her, she would only use her last breath to kill me. You know, Premier, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm still weighing the pros and cons of that in my head. And the main con here appears to be that if I do that without my ship in orbit, I die too when this place goes up. But if I wait five minutes, I die anyways. It's a bit of a dilemma. I see. Captain Dovan, there is no reason for either of us to die here. I can provide a means for you to contact your ship, and I can ensure that it is not fired upon as it approaches. The two of us could escape using your teleportation devices. Betrana could do nothing to stop us. Go on. With Betrana out of the way, the Civil War would be a much simpler, much less bloody affair. Without her leadership against me, I predict total victory within one week. You underestimate the fortitude of the Royal Guard. Acceptable. Two weeks, then. Captain Dovan, I would be glad to meet your terms of non-aggression with the Federation in exchange for being returned, without pomp or circumstance, to the leadership of my revolution. A very simple deal, really. You and your female both live, I liberate my world, and your Federation gets its scrap of paper. What do you call it? Your treaty. What do you think, Acting Captain? If you do not agree, we shall both die. You're saying that you would become the leader of Valandria, and in doing so, you would drop your anti-Federation rhetoric? I have no love for your people, Dovan, and I still consider you a threat. There have been rumors that the wasting is abroad again because of you. But no, we would not oppose your interests. You would simply rule your own people as you see fit. Yes. Dovan, you cannot possibly... And my ship and crew would go free? Yes. You know, if it's all the same to you, General, I'd rather just see to it that you die. What? Is not this treaty of yours the very reason for your mission here? Personally, I was really hoping to get trading rights. Trading rights? Did either of you know that I'm one of the most highly decorated officers under the rank of captain in the whole of Starfleet? If that were true, you would surely know by now that retreat is sometimes the wiser course. Hmm. On the contrary, Sorit. Dovan has been recognized because he knows the true meaning of valor. Wrong on both accounts. The only thing I've learned from years of winning medals is that winning medals doesn't mean a damn thing. The only thing that matters is your people stop dying. And the only way to make that happen 
is kill the Jem'Hadar. The what? Look, it's a metaphor. You're Jem'Hadar. You, Soriji. You may not have the neck tubes or the diabolical forehead or the Ketracel white fixation. You may not even know what I'm talking about. But you kill people for no good reason, and that's good enough to qualify you. I'm not going to let a person like that rule anywhere, even on a planet of savages. But your life, your, your mission. There's only one planet in our quadrant where otherwise good and powerful governments used to prop up tyrants for their own self-interest. They called it real politic, and it brought them to the brink of nuclear annihilation. Captain Cortez and her crew have been making a lot of decisions today about the value of life. When should we save it? When should we risk it? When should we lay ours down for others? She made her decision today when she put herself in the line of fire for her crew. And I nearly went too far when I risked the whole crew for a few I couldn't save. I'm sure everyone else on the Excelsior has been making those same kinds of decisions for hours now. And not one of them has been simple. Except this one. Taking you down at the cost of just my life. The easiest decision I've had all day. You, I will not surrender to an alien boy. You have shamed yourself by bringing him into the fight between us, Petrana. As I recall this afternoon, Sorid, you, not I, were the one who started shooting at them. Neither one of you will have the courage to do this. You are cowards. We won't have to if we can find another way out of this. I wouldn't count on that, Dovan. Two metrons to detonation. You know what? To hell with stalemate! No! Dovan fired at Sora G. Sora G dove out of the way and fired at Petronas. Sora G's shot hit. Only Sora G and Alcar Dovan remained on their feet. Unfortunately, Sora G was faster. You missed! By rather a lot! Look down, Dovan. Dovan did so and saw that he was standing on top of a power conduit. At the exact spot where Sora G had fired, the conduit was glowing bright red. Dovan realized it was about to explode. I overcome gods and prophecy to kill you by my own hand and by my own sword. For Valandria! Not so fast! Dovan to Excelsior. Premier, are you Dovan to Excelsior? Premier, Premier, can you hear me? Premier, you've been badly hurt, but you have access codes. I need those codes or we're both going to die. 
Premier, Premier, can you? Damn it, Premier! In his focus on reviving Premier Betranon, preventing the explosion that would kill all four of them, Lieutenant Commander Dovan failed to notice two critical things happening around him. First, the glowing pillar had suddenly turned alabaster white, brightening the room considerably. Second, there was someone coming up behind him, wielding a large stone. Someone who had no right at all to be conscious right now, and who, in a very real sense, wasn't. He noticed her only at the last second, as she swung the rock directly at his head. Jehoza Landing flat on his back, Alcar looked up into his assailant's face. Lieutenant, your eyes aren't supposed to be green, and they don't usually crackle with energy either. I... Hey! Put me down! I take it you're not Asuka Yubari, then? The host fire is pleasant, but not relevant. You are going to die. It happens to the best of us. You're the owner of this vessel? We are. Why are you doing this? Because we have waited 8,000 years to do it. Bad answer! You semi-corporeals always forget to watch out for the body you're in. Okay, now I have a phaser and you have a rock, so let's talk. I presume you're the one behind all this? Yes. Who are you? What are you called? We are many things in many tongues. We are the many, the myriad, the numerous. We are legion, for we are many. What are you doing here? We crashed. Obviously. What have you been doing since then? Manipulating events. Why? For the war efforts. The future war? Yes. The Valandrin used to be pacifists, vegetarians. What did you do to them? We found their ancestors and whispered in their minds. Taught them our ways. Tested them. Forged them. Today, they are beautiful. Interesting standard of beauty. More screw tape than legion. Are you the Valandran gods? We whisper in their minds even today. We destroy the weaklings even today. Does this make us a god? What about these catacombs? Our former vessel, Sky Splitter Skywinder, crashed in the history with the many accursed Starfleet prototype, Oracle Harbinger Omen. But we crashed so much nearer to the beginning of history than them. I appreciate your honesty. I am now most definitely going to destroy you. Are you willing to tell me how to do that? We will die when this chamber explodes and destroys our receptacle and this host body. Aren't you planning to escape? Our work is already complete. The war will be won, and won decisively. You are merely... dessert. Ah. I hope your death hurts, then. Now the 10,000 Darsec question. What is the wasting? I am the wasting. 
We reach into your minds and tell them to be sick. Your crew is sick. Your crew is going to die. Okay, last one. Why exactly are you answering these questions so easily? To give us time to reach into your mind and tell it to be sick. I... Oh, no. Dovan could feel a new and horrifying pain begin to creep towards his body from all the extremities, getting closer by the microsecond. With his last moment, he spun to the right and leveled his phaser at the far wall. He left the back of his head, vulnerable to Yubari's big rock, he knew. What's more, the shining white pillar would be destroyed in a few more seconds anyway if he just waited for the self-destruct. But somehow, it just didn't feel right for anyone but him to blow the receptacle to smithereens. I'm, I'm having trouble holding onto Yubari's signal. Is it the interference? No, I've compensated for that, even though it looks like something really big just blew up out there. No, this is... Oh no, there's a second neural pattern. What? There are two minds in her body. We can't put two minds in the same body. I, I think I just killed someone. There's no time to worry about that, Alex. If we don't restart the materialization process, we'll lose the real Yubari and everyone else we're trying to beam up. I... I understand. Removing the second signal. Get a medical team down here. Transport room to sick bay. Priority medical emergency. Commander! Mr. Lorak! Well timed. A few moments sooner and it would have been an anti-climax. Yes, but a few moments later and you'd have been dead. I'm... going to collapse now. Sakabai, transporter room, double that emergency. I repeat, two medical emergencies in the transporter room. Bridge to transporter room. Lieutenant, I note your transport was successful. Permission to break orbit? By all means, Lieutenant. Get us out of here before these fighters come after us. Gladly, Lieutenant. Bridge out. Alex, did you... Was it just me? Or were Lieutenant Yubari's eyes glowing when she materialised? You saw it too? I thought it was a trick of the light. Green, right? Yeah, and it faded away after a second. Well, whatever it was, it's... Get those people on stretchers. Move! The XO, I think he's been infected. By the wasting. In that case... Nurse, I need 20 cc's of the Simon serum to keep Alcar stable. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Lieutenant. We'll take it from here. Well, what now, Alex? You know, one way or another, I think we're done here. Let's head back to engineering and see where we stand. Acting Captain's Log Supplemental It's been one Valandrian day since Mr. Lorak's timely rescue of the away team. That's about 17 hours for you circadians out there. 
were preparing to get underway for our return home. Whatever the source of the wasting was, we definitely seemed to have destroyed it. There have been no new infections since I blew up the glowing pillar in the catacombs. Dr. Sharp has been successful in creating a treatment based on Simon Westlake's unique brain chemistry. The crew who were infected at the very end are already beginning to recover. This morning, a full 25% of us, including me, were conscious. The doctor is concerned that others who were farther along in the infection may still remain in comas for weeks, or worst case scenario, for years. But as long as the deaths have stopped, I'm willing to put off worrying about that until we're back at a starbase. Strange happenings on Valandria since our showdown. Premier Betrana, both as legitimate ruler of Valandria, as well as the person who wasn't trying to kill us all day, has been given official custody of Sorin G. It was expected that Betrana would have her publicly executed in order to quell the rebellion. However, and here's the strange part, when she contacted the rival clans to inform them of her victory, she found them already prepared to negotiate. For some reason, all the fight has gone out of them. I have my suspicions as to why, of course, but I'm not certain the Premier nor her prisoner believed me when I told them about the beings that lived inside the glowing pillar and took control of Lieutenant Yubari. For now, the Premier has chalked it up as a mystery in order to plan a wide day of rest and mourning before negotiations begin. Nonetheless, somehow, I would not now be at all surprised to learn that within five or ten years from now, all the Landrin had become vegetarians once again. End log. Morning after assessment, sir. Hmm. What's the damage? Well, sir, when I saw the nacelles, I just about screamed. Turned out someone tried to pull an L4 with a Sovereign-class starship. Don't look at me. I wasn't. Bottom line, we can't top warp 4. The trip back to the gateway is going to take a few weeks. Rats. I was hoping we'd be back in time for the crew to have a Christmas shore leave. They've certainly earned it. Afraid not, sir. But we should make it back by New Year's if our repair estimates hold out. New Year's already? Seems like 2382 just started. Actually, sir, there's something else I'd like to bring to your attention. Yes? When we were in the future aboard the Oracle, I had some problems with Mr. Roll. Oh, no. I hope he didn't give you any of that ridiculous Temporal Prime Directive claptrap. Not exactly, sir. Look, Lieutenant. The plan the two of you came up with was terrific. I doubt I'd have ever thought of it myself, and it was a brilliant way to save lives while still respecting the time laws. But if you're ever in a situation where you're faced with a decision between regulations and lives, and you can't come up with a perfect solution like that, you don't let anybody push you into deciding against those lives. Even someone twice your age like Rawl. And I'll back you up every step of the way. If any brass hat tries to court-martial you for breaking his silly little rule book, Regulation 157-3-18 doesn't trump our primary mission. You follow me? I see, sir. As long as we're on the topic, from what you told me about that future you visited, the Federation in a hopeless war, an alliance with the Borg, entire planets blown to smithereens on both sides, I really do just hope it's an alternate future. 
one possibility among many. I think, sir, that whether or not that timeline comes to pass will have a lot to do with what we've done here today. And what we're going to do from here on in. Yes. In other words, the rabbit hole's a lot deeper than we thought. And we're going to have to go all the way down before the end. That's how it seems to me, Commander. Well, I'm sure Captain Cortez will know what to do. You ready? Oh, I've seen enough for Landron for this week. And I have a devil of a report to write anyways. Thanks a bundle, Lieutenant. Anytime, sir. Commander Dovan. Premier. You seem to be recovering well. Your doctors are... excellent practitioners of their art... I hope they have been rewarded with many husbands. Uh, I... I'll look into it. Dovan, I hope you understand why I can make no treaty with your people today. I had hoped that you might change your mind. It is a new day for the Valandrian people. By... The tribe, so much has happened in so little time. The oracle gone, the old order overturned, the wasting come again, then vanished like a dream. It will be a long time before we remember who we are, or who we're meant to be. But know this, Commander Dovan, we do not forget our heroes. Come to us again someday, and we will see what there is to discuss of treaties. I am ready. Best of luck, Madam Premier. Inku tomara, tolana kaini. Don't look so confused, Dovan. It is the formal salutation owed to great leaders. Of course, in our whole history, no male has ever heard it before. Energize. Bridge. Roll here, sir. Lieutenant, lay in a course for Starbase. Best possible speed. Aye, sir. Course plotted. Go. In that episode of Star Trek Excelsior, Joy Spender was veteran Ah, Kennedy was Sora G, Samuel Gillis played the Oracle, Caitlin Haney was the computer, James Magata as Score of Seven, Emily Potter as Dr. Sharp, Alex Keyes as Pachik Rota, Lee Sands as Simon Westlake, Julian Bain as General Brahms, and Elizabeth Haney as the nurse, with Janet Green as Crew Woman and Sickbay Guard Number One, Michael Brawley as Hertzler and Sickbay Guard Number Two, Matthew Altinian as the secretary, and Gary Culpum as the flashback lieutenant. Episode executive produced and adapted for audio by James Haney, co-producer Alex Keyes, post-production by Gary Colbaum, James Magata, Mike Hennessy, Alex Keyes, and Jeremy Michaels. Mike Hennessy was the narrator. Original music by Samuel Gillis. Additional credits available on site.
This has been an Excelsior production. Go ahead. General Brahms, you have an incoming message marked urgent. Who is it? From codename Syracuse, sir. Recorded early this morning. Syracuse. She's early. Put it through to me. Yes, sir. General, don't worry. There's no sign of infiltration aboard the Excelsior. It's the scans, Isaac. Yubari handed me the first batch this morning. She had no idea what they were. I told her it was just a high-resolution mapping job. Standard scouting procedure. But of course, you and I know what those scans represent. And it's worse than we thought. Much worse. There's been a breach, General. The Excelsior should be finished at Valandria by tomorrow. And when we return, you have to be ready to take drastic measures. Our survival depends on it. I'll talk to you soon. In person. Cortez out. Operations. Operations here, General. Signal to Doc Cruz. The Renegade needs to be ready by morning. Right away, sir. Are we going somewhere else, sir? Yes. We're going to meet the Excelsior. Bram's out. On behalf of the entire cast and crew, thank you for listening to the first season of Star Trek Excelsior. Until our return this fall, may the great birds smile on your planet. No infringement is intended against Star Trek, which remains the property of CBS Paramount Television.